passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Jordan Gowing. As I mentioned, uh, this morning we're doing things a little bit unusual. Um, Pastor Dave uh, is going to come up and share a little bit with us about uh, the findings of the facility team that has been meeting, and we're going to have a couple of members of that facility team come up and share with us as well. And so that's going to be the most, the majority of the rest of our time this morning. But before we do that, I, I figured it would be appropriate for us to just uh, be sure and be intentional to couch this entire conversation in the context of who we are here at Crosswinds. Last two months or so, we've been going through First Timothy. We've been looking at what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be a healthy church? And we've seen a lot of things. We've seen that being a part of the church means to be adopted children of God. We've seen that the church has been entrusted with the gospel to protect the gospel and to proclaim that gospel, to guard it against false teaching. We've seen the glory of that gospel that brings us into the church. We've seen the commitment of the church or the charge of the church to share the gospel to the ends of the earth, to pray intentionally for one another and for the spread of the gospel. And one thing that's been notably absent in this entire discussion, and here's a spoiler alert for the rest of First Timothy, uh, it's not going to come up anywhere else in First Timothy, uh, there's no mention of a facility or a building when it comes to the church. The church is far more than a facility. It's far more than a building. And that's one of the beautiful things, honestly, about being a portable church. Is when you get a, an email saying, like we had to do once, oh, by the way, we're not meeting at the auditorium next week. Go ahead and try to find us. That's a, that's a good reminder that the, the church is more than a building. We've met here several times. We've met at the event center several times. We've met at the Legends event center. We've met at the 4-H building and had to use porta-potties because the plumbing wasn't turned on. We've met in the park. We've met several different places, and those are great reminders to us that the church is far more than a facility. And as we move forward into this discussion, I think that's really important for us to remember, that the church is far more than a facility, that we are the church gathered together, wherever we gather together, that we are a part of God's global church, and we are a local embodiment of God's church here in Spencer. At the same time, when temperatures dip below freezing for a good portion of the year, having a place to gather is relatively important. It is relatively important to figure out where we are going to worship and gather as a church for worship. And so we're going to take some time to discuss that and look and seek where God is calling us as a church next. This is just a step in the journey. And, and the way I look at it is a, a facility is simply just a tool. It is a tool that we can use if effectively for God's glory for God's honor as a way to bring people to know him, to share the gospel to uh, the others in Spencer, to, to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's, it's simply a tool. And yet, like all tools, it can also be misused. It can be a distraction. It can even be an idol that can distract us from worshiping God. Fourteen and a half months from now, 15 months from now, uh, one thing will be the exact same. We will not be any more a church than we are right now. And at the same time, 14 and a half months from now, 15 months from now, 
We will either be a healthier church or we will be worse off as a church based off of what we do and how we steward this next year. Let us not lose track of our mission as a church. Every single week, if you look at the calendar that we, we put in your bulletin, you will see some words written there. Compa- passion for God, compassion for neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is our mission, that we want to be a people that develops a passion for God, that develops a compassion for our neighbors, that reaches our region with the gospel. And the way that this plays out is in our vision, that we as a church, we mentioned this last week, we as a church are committed to the multiplication of gospel-centered churches here in our community and to the ends of the earth for the good of our community and to the ends of the earth. Last week, we mentioned that we believe here at Crosswinds that the local church is the hope of the world. When we say that, we don't mean that the, the local church is the key to salvation, What we mean is that we believe in God's plan that the local church has been entrusted with the gospel in a way that they are charged by God to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. More than that, we believe that the local church is a part of God's plan for human flourishing and the spread of the kingdom wherever the local church is found. That's why we want to see more gospel-centered churches here in Spencer. That's why we want to see more gospel-centered churches in the surrounding communities, in northwest Iowa, to the ends of the earth. Because we believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And because the local church is the hope of the world, we believe that it is a part of God's plan to reach the lost and to see the flourishing of all our communities. Now, as uh, as we talk about facilities... As we talk about uh, what we have found, it is, it is simply my prayer that we remain focused on our mission, that we remain focused on our vision, that we would not see this as the finish line, that we have finally arrived when we have a place that is permanently ours, but instead that we would see it as simply a step and a tool that we can use for God's glory and that we can steward for a season as long as God allows us to do so. With that, I invite the, uh, Dave and, and the um, others on the facility team who will be sharing up here. And uh, as, as Dave is uh, approaching, let's, let's just pray for our time one more time. Father, we, uh, we thank you again for your faithfulness to us as a church. We thank, we thank you for your goodness to us and the ways that you have been at work in us. And we ask now that you would bless this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Put this down so I'm not accused of speaking out of two sides of my mouth. That's a joke. All right. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, Appreciate this chance. Sometimes uh, it's already been introduced a couple occasions here. This is going to be a bit of more of an unusual service than we typically would have. But there is precedence in Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, for different kinds of assemblies. And uh, Jordan shared earlier in... uh, Nehemiah having an example of such. Uh, There were other times, for example, my mind goes to when the Word of God was discovered after it had been lost for decades, and there was an assembly to come back and and praise, but also repent and just listen and absorb and soak in God's Word. Uh, I will make a reference as we close today to another example, and that was King David uh, called an assembly one time, actually to talk about facilities. It was much more grandeur facility, 
Uh, it was called the Temple of the Lord, and uh, it took a little more money than what we're talking as well. But there was an assembly. There was a precedence for assembly to talk about facilities in the Old Testament. So uh, this is okay to do what we are. Uh, one of the things I want to point out uh, right off the bat is uh, this is essentially, uh, if we would proceed with the slide here. Uh, Jordan made mention of our vision statement. Uh, next slide. Just why are we meeting here today? Uh, it's apparent to us. The clock is ticking. We've made reference to that. We've also made that reminding statement that a facility is not an end to itself. It is simply a tool. It is, uh, it is a means or it's embedded within our vision. And it's very easy to think, A, that once you have a facility, now we're done. <laughs> it's just one of the many steps uh, in a church's life. Uh, so what we are doing today is to share a process to come up with a facility solution. And uh, so we're going to focus on process. And if we have work done well within a process, hopefully it's less painful and it's much more efficient, which it has to be, noting the deadline. Um, the other thing we're going to uh, call to prayer, but in, as, as we pray in this, in, uh, in this uh, discovery of God's will, uh, I want that to be sincere. I noticed there was a pledge card on prayer, and you'll probably, within a month or so, we may talk about pledge cards financially, and that's usually the context that we think of pledging. I think it's awesome to be reminded that uh, prayer is really what's going to derive our discovery of God's will. One of the uh, neat things that I believe uh, Marie will share is a story of a church this morning that they planned and they planned and they planned incredibly well in one area and uh, had a lot of work done in planning. And, and we can take comfort in this, that God stepped in in the midst of that process and said, ooh, I got another plan. So as you pray, I think it's important to hold those plans lightly and to hold them uh, really anticipating that if we're on the wrong track, God will gently step in. So next slide, just a little bit about facilities team here. Um, we did uh, have a facility scene that, uh, team that uh, began working in January, uh, really to provide some information to set up for this conversation today. This is not a decision meeting this morning. We don't have a proposal this morning. It's simply a con conversation to bring us up to speed. Uh, there were six Spencer campus intenders involved in that. Three from our leadership board, Pastor Jordan and myself, uh, went and we broke it into three particular areas. We kind of had loose subgroups. There was some over, uh, overriding work done in there. But we really thought if we broke our work into really discovering specifications, uh, really what's, where do we start, uh, what would be good, what would not meet our needs. Uh, specification is very important concept. It's, it's likely, not necessarily, but it's likely that space would be transformed in our solution. And some people can visualize that. Some people go, eh, I don't know if I can see uh, us worshiping where they used to change oil. You know, that's kind of weird to me. And so we wanted to come up with some concepts that would help us visualize how to transform space. And then uh, feasibility. Feasibility at the end of the day is Really, what can we afford? Is this a feasible solution for us, uh, or is it one we should set aside and continue to pursue? So that's really kind of where we focused. Uh, next slide. And 
Here's, this would be an example. As we look toward feasibility, part of specification was what kind of an attendance spec might we look for? If we're going to try to compare things financially, apples and apples, uh, we kind of settled in as a team on let's look at 250 attenders. And uh, Jordan had a model that he discovered from other pastors and other church situa- situations that would say, you know, per attender, uh, between 40 or 60 square foot per person is where you may want to target, uh, would be sufficient. So if we took that high end and multiplied it times that 250, maybe for the example of study, we'd look for 15,000 square feet, which uh, felt like a comfortable sweet spot because according to this, you could probably serve more than 250 in that space as well if it was the right kind of space. So we kind of settled in on that uh, for our planning model, which we'll make uh, further uh, detail into. As a point of reference, a couple points, uh, if you drive north out of town and you see Faith Lutheran Church and you see that building there, that facility is about 28,000. So you can see that 15,000 would be you know, roughly half of that size as our little planning model. And uh, if you've been to Spirit Lake and been in their facilities uh, for whatever reason, uh, it is a little more than that, but again, it's roughly half of that Size, So that's what we kind of put our arms around for a planning uh, experiment here, if you will. So uh, next slide. Uh, Not all that important other than to say embedded within that would be if we had 250, this is kind of the types of people that might be attending our church based on today's demographic. So many little munchkins and so on and so forth up the list, including how many places you need to bring 250 people to church. So that's kind of where we're starting from right now. And uh, as we get into it deeper, this is kind of behind it. And at this point, Marie is going to share the story of Living Water Church. If uh, you would split that. Okay. Is it on? Okay. I had the privilege of going to Orange City, and we went to Living Water Church, and they took an old dealership, auto dealership place, and turned it into a um, church with their mission being to reach their community. They wanted something on like a main road and um, that was very visible. They called it like a community center. It was 12,400 square feet, um, set 450 people, and... um, Going along with their mission, next slide, it was Living Water Community Church. They, they wanted to reach the people of Orange City. Um, go ahead and next slide. This is their, op- their area where you walk in like you'd walk into the dealership. They had a small um, entryway and then the welcome center right there, pastor's office off to the side. Then a smaller um, kind of community um, fellowship area with an attending kitchen off of that. And um, then the three doors with a nursery and two offices. So it was, it was kind of compact, but yet there was plenty of space for what they needed at the time. If you go on down the hall, next slide, it goes into their worship area. And this is at one time, like Dave said, where they changed the oil. This was their maintenance place for all the vehicles. And they turned it into a worship place for 450 people. And it was very, like you, you can see on the slide, it was, it was great. Um, room for expansion. They had like a, 
uh, coffee bar in the back. They had storage in the back. And then up behind there, there was like a balcony, and they had developed Sunday school rooms in there. So so they were in this for a few years, and then they came down. They had a decision because in 2012, because they had grown so much, that they had three options. And what they decided to do is open up a um, church in Sheldon. This opportunity came up. This large grocery store was for sale. And so they, going along with their mission to reach their community and their neighbors, they decided to purchase this grocery store in Orange City. Next slide. There's the nursery there. Now, they had a lot more space. They had 20,800 square feet. And their capacity, even though they have 175 attending, can seat up to 500. So their their sanctuary was really impressive, although I don't have a slide of it right now. Um, So they launched this campus in Sheldon. And they took this old grocery store, next slide, which had a deli. And so the deli kitchen was there, and they redid it all, of course. But then they had an area where they had their coffee area, and they had a very large welcoming center, you know, just because they had more space to work with. They had a lot of Sunday school rooms and even more space to develop down the road. There. Um, Their biggest surprise was the sound. They did a sound system in Orange City in the car dealership that worked just great. They did the same thing in Sheldon in the grocery store, and it didn't work quite so well. So there's always different things with transforming. But overall, I learned that you can take a lot of different buildings and um, transform them. Another one that isn't on the slide is the Pentecostal Church out um, south of Spencer. It used to be Stubbs Ranch Kitchen. And if you've never been in that, they have transformed that beautifully with tons and tons of volunteer work and a great, great worship center, a great kitchen. So, um, So, yeah, the transformation was very interesting to see if you're ever out south of town or in Orange City, stop by and see what they've done with those, those two buildings. Next, we have Mandy, and she's going to tell the story of Faith Lutheran out south of town, or north of town. Good morning. So I had the privilege of uh, touring Faith Lutheran Church with one of their members, and then I uh, had a lengthy discussion with the person that would probably be called their general contractor regarding what they did with this space. Um, It is about 28,000 square feet, as Dave said. Uh, Right now, they have about 250 in attendance, but if you've ever been in there, it's very large. They can easily sit up to, seat up to 500. Um, If you, many of you probably remembered that it was a kind of a fleet store, a farm store of Baumgars. You may have even been in there. Um, Go ahead, next slide. Um, Their story was that they split from a different Lutheran church in town. Much like ours, they needed a very quick uh, place to, to uh, a facility to meet. And so uh, the shopper supply came available. Um, they, they liked it because of the space. They were really thinking ahead for their future. Uh, some um, members felt like it was too big of a space. And then once they were in there, and, and now, three, four, five years later, they are very happy that they, that they um, were able to purchase all that space. 
Um, at first, it was uh, what they described, their words, not mine, filthy. It was filthy, filthy inside. And um, that was a barrier to some people that couldn't see uh, what it might turn into. And um, so it was really interesting and exciting to see the space now because even though it's kind of industrial, uh, it, is, it is really, really an awesome transformed space. So uh, here you can see, uh, it's kind of when you first walk in, uh, to the right here is the pastor's office and the children's uh, ministry is there on the right. This is their welcome desk. What they decided to do uh, with this space, one thing is the welcome desk is on wheels, and so it's very portable. They can move it all over as you see that they have uh, cement floors. They just ground them down and finished them out. Um, and in the back is their fellowship space there. Go ahead, next slide. This is a picture of their worship center. Uh, they're, obviously, they're, they've chose chairs instead of pews and their uh, staging area. One thing that they really did um, that I learned about was right away they prioritized uh, what came first, second, third to them. And they were very open to the idea of flexible spaces. What you can't see here, it's kind of back in the, in the dark. When they first um, purchased the uh, building, they, uh, there was one room that was used for storage back there. And instead of building a new room on for the pastor, they just cleaned that room out and made that the pastor's office, knowing that eventually they wanted to move it up front to the front of the church, more visible. But they were very open to, we'll use what we have right now. And then later on, when we have the money, then we will um, design and, and build according to what... Uh, our needs are. Um, they are, were very open to the ideal of minimalist living, I guess, if you would say. Uh, for example, uh, they met without a kitchen for a very long time, and uh, they just had a sink and a donated refrigerator, and that was fine for them to worship and um, as long as they had a place to worship, they felt like they didn't need a kitchen until they had the money to build one. Uh, next slide, please. This is a little bit better picture of the stage. This just also shows, as you can see, they were um, also open to the idea of just functional spaces, not fancy. Um, if that's what they could afford, that's what they they were okay with. They saw opportunities instead in the use of maybe what some would call more non-traditional decor. So no carpet, uh, you know, boards on the stage. You know, they, they said, hey, if we don't have carpet, then less spills. So they can have their kids just run all over, and, and they don't worry about that. And it's a, it's a much freer space. Um, so that's kind of how, how they decided to do things. Go ahead. Next slide. Um, again, here is another uh, better picture of when you walk in and, and you can see the fellowship um, the space back there to the right. Can you go back a slide, please? I just wanted to point out that even though this is the worship center, there is, uh, oh goodness, a, a big amount of space behind this, and that is where a lot of their Sunday school classrooms are. They have a mezzanine and an adult Sunday school classroom as well that's just not shown here yet. Okay, go ahead. 
Um, the lastly, or I guess I should say next thing, um, they really maximized volunteers to keep their costs way down. Every single skill level was utilized, every bit of time, whether it was all-day volunteers or one hour of volunteer time, they used it. Uh, that was, when I talked to the general contractor, that was his big point to um, share with me, uh, that they really tried, that was what they wanted to do was use volunteer hours, and that they did this all in phases, and, um, you know, to, to be able to um, afford and make their money stretch. So they were very careful in building like that. Next slide. Okay, so uh, we're just going to move on here to, this is just uh, an overview sheet a little bit here, and just this, these, these numbers are just to kind of start us out by giving us just a benchmark uh, from, from what to work, work with. As you can see here, there's the three different um, facilities, and this, we started out with a square footage of each facility approximately. It goes on to the purchase price, and that purchase price is just for the facility and the, the land that was available in the initial offer. As you can see a couple rows below, if there was any land to purchase additionally, that is uh, line-itemed out there. They also... We also were able to ascertain the numbers for improvements in furniture, equipment. That's kind of your, your renovation costs. And as of right now, we were not able to get those numbers from Faith Lutheran, but, but they uh, eventually are open to sharing those with us. We just weren't able to get them for this presentation. Uh, the last line then there obviously shows the total investment for the land and the improvements or renovation costs for each of the facilities. Uh, there uh, with living water. Okay, next slide, please. What we did here was we broke this out by cost per square foot. Again, there's the square footage, which is the same in the previous slide. And then there's the what is broken out for purchase price per square foot. You can see Orange City uh, was 54 uh, and 22 for Orange City and Sheldon. And again, that's broken out just uh, based on the purchase price of the building. Then we have it broken out per square footage for the improvements or the renovation costs, 36 and 24 respectively there, and the additional land cost there in Orange City. And then at the bottom, uh, there's their total numbers uh, for, for what they did. Again, not reflective on anything for us. This is just to give us a, a benchmark of potential um, numbers, uh, what per square footage to retrofit a space. And just to note, uh, in both of these cases, I know in Living Water uh, involved putting in a sprinkler system as well uh, was required, so that cost included that. I'd just like to uh, just point out, uh, next slide, if you will, uh, really what was kind of our take-home lesson. Uh, Mandy and, and uh, Marie shared some of their observations along the way. Uh, probably the most uh, important question is, is it did allow us to visualize how you can transform some fairly unconventional space into very effective uh, houses of worship and equipping and fellowship. So I think we did a good job of uh, illustrating that on people that are right here. These are not award-winning 
uh, retrofits uh, in New York City. Uh, there are practical things done by folks like you and I. Uh, we also learned that God stretches us. Uh, there's a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice and a lot of obedience behind those numbers. And it's pretty easy sometimes to look at that uh, and they either be daunted by it uh, or not even recognize the effort. So these, these are people that uh, put their faith in God's calling to serve their community and allow themselves to be stretched. Um, <clears throat> I think lesson number two may mention, uh, here, here is a, the example in Living Water, and we can take comfort in this ourselves, that they were planning on taking that facility, that 12,000-square-foot ex- facility, which was really jammed and still is, uh, and put a large worship center onto that and expand on that site. They spent the effort uh, to design it and all of that. And God said, hey, I want you to go another direction and reach into another community with multi-site. So I take comfort in that from the perspective, if we're diligently planning and praying that if we're on the right, wrong track, God will step in and say, whoa, I want you to go this direction and not fight it, but embrace it. And I think that's an important lesson. I think the other intangible from this visit is just that reminder that there are other people within our communities that love the gospel and love sharing the gospel and love to see us succeed. And sometimes we don't look at it that way. Uh, yes, we're different, but uh, the body of Christ is bigger than Crosswinds Church or any other church in any community, and that's always an encouragement to embrace. Let's move our direction uh, toward the feasibility model. And some things we've done here to try to compare these three solutions, those solutions being do you go into your community and lease space and renovate it? Uh, Do you go into your community and make a purchase and renovate that uh, particular space or you just start over from scratch and build? And those are three options. And you can sit in a room and debate the pros and the cons. But one of the purposes of, of doing our work was to be informed and try to understand what might be the direction God would lead us. Okay, so in that, uh, we're not going to, we're going to spare you the details of how we got to these numbers, but in effect, we, we modeled each of these out and compared them uh, to each other. So if we look at the next slide, there's two slides now that will have enough numbers to glaze some of you over, and you already are, and there'll be some of you that are sitting here saying, I want to know more, how did you get that? So we're trying to find a middle ground. (laughs) If somebody here really wants to understand the numbers behind the numbers, probably do that afterward, but very, very willing to do that. So for the sake of boring you, uh, we we looked at if we were to lease a property, which means you don't buy it and you go on there and renovate it, and you renovated it, one of the assumptions that we talked about, and we renovated it, say, at $25 a square foot, you might be able to take that 15,000-square-foot building that we talked about and put that renovation work into it. And that particular solution could cost about $375,000. It might be less if the place you discovered is more move-in ready. Potentially, it could cost more than that, but we're trying to use some of these standard costs and get our arms around how these compare, okay? So that would be 375 if we leased. Obviously, it's the least out of pocket because you're not buying a building, right? It's like a renting an apartment or whatever. You're going to make monthly payments for that lease, but you didn't have to buy anything. The purchase and reven- renovation on the low end was saying you found a building for about 
Could you get one for a little less than that? Yes. Could you spend more than that? Absolutely. But we picked that number and we used the $30 a square foot renovation cost into that, a little bit of parking repair, and said that we could potentially uh, find a solution uh, to purchase and renovate in that $750,000 to $800,000. If you were to build from scratch and that's got a $125 a square foot number, could you spend more than that? Absolutely. Might you get by with less than that? Very possible. But that's a mid-range number. Uh, you could use $100. You could use 150 We chose 125 for the 15000 and that's what it would cost to build from scratch. Uh, and I believe that example was uh, land at no cost if you could secure that. So let's look at those. And I, I, again, I caution you this is a model, Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about how might you finance those different scenarios. And scenario number one would say, if we had $150,000 at Crosswind Church on hand today, I'll explain that, and if we raised another $200,000, uh, then if you pursued this solution, you might come up about $25,000 short. And we would probably do one of two things. We would go to Luke and say, Luke, can you pony up the rest, please? <laughs> or Jordan. Uh, no, we might pass the hat one more time. But just we're doing mathematics here is all we're doing. And we're saying in that case, if we had $350,000 to put toward this, uh, we'd, we'd have a $400 a month loan if we were to borrow that $25,000. On the other hand, if we chose the $700,000 solution, applied that same $350,000 toward that, you would have to borrow 420000 to build that out, and it would say you'd have a $3,400 a month loan payment. And you can do the math on the other. If you had a new building, applied the three fifty, you'd have about a million and a half loan, and it would cost you about $12,000 a month. Now, you know why we did a feasibility. Let's model these out and see what makes the most sense as we share this information to the board. I want to go back and just reiterate two things on this line up here, this line that says cash. First of all, you've heard us talk about the Crosswinds Foundation and our vision fund, right? And you've all been invited. Some of you have come and heard that story uh, we've shared that story two times in Spirit Lake as well, and I'm excited to say that that effort uh, and the vast majority of our people have not spent the time in that session yet, but many have. We've actually raised about $168,000 toward that foundation, of which 150 is Vision Fund, which our board can choose to use for facility, use for future staffing, various things to develop the capacity to grow. So I'm excited to say we have a jump start. We presented it that way. We would, hoop, we would hope it would be a jump start for a capital campaign and really want you to praise God that there is some cash already pointed in this direction. And I think that's pretty awesome. Amen? All right, cool. That was pretty weak, by the way. You need to say it again. Amen? All right, now we got her going. Uh, the other thing is, is this capital, whoa, just, just back up for one point. I put capital campaign $200,000, okay? Uh, we will launch a capital campaign. I don't know today what we will put out there as a challenge. 
I just want to point out that 200,000 is probably a wimpy number, and I probably should have put 300 or 350. This is simply an illustration to compare some bottom lines, okay? This is not a goal. Uh, this is not an announcement. Uh, please don't go home and say, well, we're going to have to raise 200. Maybe we should raise more than that. <laughs> so we're just trying to illustrate the relative difference of some bottom lines with a certain amount of cash put toward that. Okay? I can't overstate that. All right. Next slide. So if we took these three options and just say, how do they affect our budget? How would it affect Crosswinds Church to pursue these? Uh, Let's go through that. We talked about our lease and renovate. If we leased and renovated a facility and if the lease was $5 a square foot, then uh, we would have a payment of just shy of $80,000 a year to lease that facility. I'll, I'll tell you there's facilities for lease in the community that are $8 a square foot. It's quite expensive. There's a facility that's a little over 4 So this is a, a wide range if we choose that route that that solution might have. So we've selected five for the sake of this illustration. And it would illustrate that we have this amount of lease payment. Ownership cost is simply a need to turn on lights. You have to push snow. Uh, You have to uh, take care of that property, pay the utility bills. And if we use the cost of that category in Spirit Lake and applied it per square foot toward this 15,000, it's $1.60 a square foot, what it happens to be up there for all those things, then we would assume that we would have about a $24,000 budget line on our, our campus here, okay? So that's an assumption. Currently, uh, we lease three different places within the community as a crosswind Spencer, this one, the Activity Center, and the Commons, and we have some utility costs and those kinds of things associated as well to the tune of $18,000 already. So if we use that, just said, well, we're already doing that. Uh, this will come into the picture. Then if we were to lease uh, relatively to these values, it would cost us about $85,000 a year. Okay? Uh, if we were to renovate something that we owned and we could pull that off for this number, this would be the loan payment, same ownership cost because it's the same 15,000 square foot. Uh, We offset it with that, and our cost would be about $47,000, more than what it is today, or roughly $4,000 a month. So the board will say, is that feasible for us to absorb that $4,000? It's feasibility. Finally, if we were to build, uh, you can go right down the list here, and and the bottom line to that would be about $150,000 if we were to build something out in total, uh, recognizing that. That's how that would touch our annual budget as well. So this is kind of common sense. If you lease, there is less out-of-pocket cost, but it's just like leasing a a home versus buying a home. There's a little less out-of-pocket cost, but you have a little higher bottom line because somebody else is building equity. Uh, In the middle example, you have more out-of-pocket costs, but from an operating standpoint, your cost is a little less. So we're just looking at how do these particular solutions behave in our budget or in our thought process. Again, it comes up to an example of something within the community. The numbers will be different, but this is how these numbers kind of behave within our model. Okay? 
Next slide. So what did we learn? We learned uh, two things that are related. First of all, the Vision Fund has proven to be a great jump start. It's going to be an important part of the process, uh, raising additional cash, whether it's 200000 300000 400000 Every dollar we raise is going to help us in our cost, obviously. So that's a pretty critical step in here. And we did learn, and this is not a recommendation, this is about the third disclaimer, uh, from a pure cost perspective, uh, the most cost-effective facility solution could certainly be uh, renovating some existing property. That can work, and it might well be where we land, but it's uh, certainly not a recommendation today, and we have no particular proposal. Uh, questions? Maybe, maybe just uh, take a pause here, and then we're going to talk about community opportunities and uh, Dan's going to share that. But is there anything uh, up here that anybody wants to make a comment on? If not, we'll move on and entertain it toward the end. Mm -hmm. No, this, we don't have a, we're not saying this is on the corner of such and such street and this is a property we're buying, and this is what the cost is going to be. The purpose of this group that met was to try to be as informed as we can as we do pursue a solution and try to narrow our scope because there's so many opportunities or options, and we need to narrow it down to what's feasible, uh, what priority for that space is, and all of that. And to do that, uh, you can chase a lot of shiny things a long time. And so we want to just be educated in this process that's before us. So, again, this is no proposal. This is our best attempt at looking at what these different options could look like. Okay? Dan? Sure. Good morning, everybody. I'm uh, just going to spend a little time talking about where we've come from and uh, just maybe what some options might be today. Um, as you were informed, we had a, a kind of, we've got kind of a hard end date of our lease, which is next June, which honestly is a little bit of a praise the Lord. It's a big praise the Lord, honestly, because um, when we didn't even know, we, we knew up to about uh, 45 days ago that our end date was this June, potentially. We were, we were hoping and praying that the school would continue to lease to us for a period of time. And uh, Jordan went and met, and we got the answer we, that we thought was probably the best answer we could get, and that is that they would extend the lease for a year at its current terms, and, uh, but yet at the same time gave us a hard end date so we knew what to expect. So um, that, that uh, was a little bit of an impetus for us to really start thinking about what do we need to be uh, given us time to come up with a with a um, to seek where God had us for a facility next, um, but yet gave us the opportunity to continue to grow uh, in a in an existing facility. And I, I look around here, and um, you know this church started uh, with about four families in a in a um, you know in a small group in a house, and went through different 
to, to the point now that our average attendance is in that 125, 130, 135 area on a given Sunday. And so real praise the Lord. And he gave us a facility that we could, that we could grow at a very reasonable cost. But we also recognized that, and we'll talk about this a little bit in a minute, that some of the limitations that we have today. But we, so we started, we started looking um, over a year. We're just keeping our eyes open for a facility. And as uh, Tim, what, you know, our conversation is, is right on is that uh, um, God knows what that is. He just hasn't revealed it to us. And so part, through prayer and through seeking him, he will reveal that to us. If you look through, part of what we're trying to do as a facility is be wise about being good stewards of the money uh, and the, the, the uh, resources that God gives us. And so a lot of what our research is doing here is to put together kind of a grid of specifications to find out, you know, what's really important to us and what, can we, what do we think uh, would be financially wise or what can we afford and uh, who do we really want to be. And so that's part of what we're going to do. So... Um, what we're going to look at is, is that we, we do know that if a building doesn't meet our spec, it's easy for us to move on rather than spend a lot of time on it. Or if it's not financially feasible for us, we'll move on because we know God is going to provide. Um, and quite honestly, if the right one comes along, we want to be prepared that we can move quickly because if it is the right facility, it may, it may sell quickly. So we want, to, we want to be ready for that. Next slide. Here are some of those community options that we're talking about. Does it meet our uh, physical specs? In other words, safe? Can it provide the worship and classroom space we need? Uh, fellowship time? Is a fellowship uh, area is important to us? Uh, obviously, bathrooms and parking, some of those general facilities. And then is it financially feasible? So you've seen those sorts of, of specs that we've talked about. Um, uh, next slide. Obviously, one of the questions you have to ask first is, what about this facility? And so that was one of the first questions we asked because God gave us this. Uh, there's no doubt that the school wants to get rid of it. There's no doubt that they would give, probably give it to us. I don't know that for sure, but they'd probably give it to us. And so that's an obvious question is, why not? Or should we be considering this? Yeah, the answer is yes, we should consider it, and we have. And, um, and so... We have done some due diligence that got us to the point to say that we need to that we need to look at other options at the same time. Uh, we brought in obviously the space has some physical limitations, um, and so we brought a, a, a contractor in just to tell us, okay, um, here's what we want on those specs: the worship area, the uh, gathering area, uh, parking. Um, you know, just the list of specs that we've already talked about and said, tell us, tell us what our options are. And, um, and this is a builder that is, was a, is a respected builder. Honestly, it's the same one that built our bank up in Spirit Lake. So I've got a lot of confidence in their, in their ability. And what he's telling us is that given the limitations that you have when you're trying to deal with concrete and, and space constraints that are already set out and then trying to heat and cool it, and trying to sprinkle it, and trying to uh, make it handicapped accessible in the upper levels, uh, it would it would be cheaper uh, to build new than to renovate. So that really, and you saw that building new for us um, 
probably isn't our best option. Our best option is to renovate some existing space. So obviously this is some existing space. So we, the, the, initial, uh, the initial feel that we got back was that it probably didn't meet the... the it had some limitations for parking, and, it, and obviously it's great accessibility as far as visibility. It has limitations for parking. It has some other issues that constraint us, some safety issues, that sort of thing. Uh, and, but cost-wise, it was probably not a feasible option for us. That's, that was the, what was given to us from a respected builder. So we have looked at this, and, um, and we've just listed a few of the constraints that were, that were give, shared with us of why that cost runs up very quickly. When you look at it, you've got the third and second, third floor uh, uh, exits, fire exits are lacking, physical conditions of walls, the asbestos, paint, Handicapped, accessible. Uh, there's there's real issues in bringing this this building up to become a handicap accessible. Uh, we got heating systems. Uh, there's no air conditioning in this, which we've experienced that in the summer, um, which we've been able to get by with. Uh, but it does get warm in here. A sprinkling system. There is no sprinkling system. Uh, restrooms that we um, are that the the best restrooms that we have right now, and actually those that would bring it up to code, are actually not owned by the school, they're owned um, by the, uh, the senior center. So that would be an issue for us. Um, and then obviously the, the, for us to dip classrooms, we've got to go up and we need to have accessibility. So that just gives you a little bit of idea of some of the challenges that we have um, with, this, with trying to renovate this building because we really did look at it. Uh, so that then, uh, as, as we started out, said... We need to continue to look and see what else God has for us. And I mean, if God tells us we're going to be here, then we will be here. But at this point, using the, where God has, has guided us at this point, it doesn't feel, doesn't feel like even though today it's a great feasible option cost-wise, it probably isn't long-term. So that was our determination as a building. So any questions on that? Because I would suspect that that would, would be one thing. That was one of the first questions I had, so... Any questions on that? Feel free to talk. To, yes. Yeah, there's, there is um, there's that possibility. We, we don't know that. We assume that that, if, if you were on the school board, you would say, yeah, I'd rather spend 200000 updating some things rather than 400000 tearing it down, you know. So, yeah. Um, but if you do the math, again, building new is about a $2 million renovation. The school did share with us what they were looking at doing here if they redid this. The price tag they had on that was four or five million. Okay, now recognizing what they part of what they were doing was keeping the historical significance the same, and they were doing some things that we wouldn't. But when the builder comes in and says it's going to cost you more than building new, that was at two million. And even if you take two or three hundred off of that, you still got a you still got a higher amount than re- renovating another building, and you have the operating costs that become challenging in a building 
that isn't efficient um, operationally too. So uh, it was part of the consideration. Um, and that, right or wrong, that's, the, that's how we looked at it, Dave. Good question, though. Great question. Because even if they brought in, if they gave us four or five hundred, we're still, those numbers still lead us to financially more feasible to look at renovating an, another building. Assuming there's one out there, okay? Assuming there's one out there. So, but great question. Any other questions or thoughts there? Thank you. And I'm and available afterwards to talk to anybody who would like to. So just to give you a little overview of what our next steps might look like, um, here's kind of a, a chart of the approval process. So per the bylaws, um, the congregation, the church needs to approve any, any purchase and any loan. So there would be, if, if we went that route to borrow, borrow money and purchase a building, we would have to come to you with both of those um, items for approval. But there's other options here that if we were to lease, the, the leadership board could make, um, could make that recommendation in, in the budget to just set aside those funds and negotiate the terms of the lease and all that within within the budget, which is what we've done for the activity center, for the, for the auditorium, and for the offices as well. We've, we've, we've all negotiated that at the, at the board level. So those are all, I mean, this just gives you an overview of what, what the process might look like. If you want to go to the next slide. So just to recap what those next steps would be, we have to have some sort of a decision made before June of next year because that's when we need to be out of this facility, and in the next month, month and a half, uh, we're really going to look at outlining what a capital campaign might look like, what we need to um, look at for the processes for, you know, what do we need for building permits if we're going to build something or renovate something, what do we need for sprinkler systems, what do we need for parking and all those different zoning requirements and things as well. So we're going to be sitting down in the next next month or so and outlining all that that process that we haven't gotten to yet with this with this team um and then uh we we plan to sit like once we've made all these um recommendations we plan to come to the congregation and at least say you know what are we thinking we might need to get for approval of a loan or facility purchase or renovation or any of that stuff so we we plan to come at some point and say hey this is this is what we're thinking might be feasible to to take out in a loan, would would the would the congregation be on board with that, or you know what what are our next steps? Because when when the opportunity comes up, we have to be able to move quickly. Facilities, um, properties, they they sell really quickly here in Spencer. So that's something that you know we that's part of the reason we're we put this team together is because we've seen as we've been watching around for oh Dan, how long the last year and a half, two years at least. We've been looking at different facilities in town. And so, you know, what? one of the things we've seen in that is stuff goes quickly. So we need to be able to, to move quickly when we feel that God is calling us to this particular facility, wherever that might be. And we don't know that yet. So that's why we're putting putting all this together. Um, and so all, all of that stuff is, is stuff that we haven't set a date for yet. Or, I mean, but in the next next month, two months, 
Uh, we're hoping to to start a capital campaign and and start, you know, start being prepared for for wherever God would lead us. Any questions on that? Thank you, Luke. Next slide. Um, I, I, I want to throw a question out here. Uh, you can see on this timeline, uh, 2014, which has been alluded to a couple of times this morning, Easter of 2014, uh, this campus, this congregation had its first kind of official service. And would you raise your hand if you were here for that launching service? Would Make sure you look around. Let's flip it the other way and say, uh, who was not here for that particular service? I'm going to do a general judgment call in here. It's probably 40, 60, maybe 35, 65. I hope I have adds up to 100. Uh, the majority of you were not here in Easter of 2014. Many were. And for those that were, I think you're pretty excited about today. I just wanted to spend a moment of time that uh, when you signed up, if you will, uh, to join Crosswinds Church, this is kind of what you signed up for. You signed up for quite a lifetime of God's faithfulness to this local church. And goes back way to 1949. I can say I wasn't born that year. Yay. You were, who was born in 1940? Who was walking the earth in 1949? I'm glad it didn't, there aren't too many people proud of that. I'm glad it didn't say 1950 because I would have been around. I'm sorry. All right. But that just sounds better. 1950? That's not too old. Okay. So anyway, you can just see some events along the line. Uh, first of all, a new church was built in 77. Here's kind of an interesting choice of values. That, ch that church was growing out of its scene, needed a new sanctuary, and they chose to build a gym to serve the community and children over being comfortable in a sanctuary. That was kind of a cool decision. Uh, major, major debt retirement for the purpose of reaching our region. Uh, that was really a prerequisite to be, even be opening open to considering launching another campus. And if that event hadn't have happened, this may not have been here. So there was a stretch that God called uh, Crosswinds Church to. Uh, major repairs, don't need to get into that. Uh, I'd like to circle this one right here. Does any anybody think that this church back here was called Crosswinds Church? The name was changed in 2014 essentially uh, because the name Faith Church did not, would create a lot of confusion in the community of Spencer, Iowa. You have Faith Lutheran, you have Faith Pentecostal. And so the body, the members of the church gathered and said, how do we love our mission more than we love our name or our identity? So sometimes we say, yeah, is Spirit Lake willing to engage in this process? Uh, my answer is Absolutely. That kind of decision a lot of times would split a church, and you'd end up with two churches mad at each other, <laughs> never talking again. But God preserved that process and led us to this name, which is important to our vision. And so on and on we go. 
of how God is faithful. Uh, next slide. So it's been mentioned a couple times. Uh, this is our call for this morning. We don't have a vote on anything. We just would ask you to pray, uh, ask questions of leadership, trust leadership, pray and trust God with this process, a process that needs to move quite quickly. It feels daunting to think that we, uh, as Jordan started today, 15 months from now, uh, where will we be? And we have a lot of work to get done between now and then. But uh, just continue to pray because God knows our need. He not only knows our need, he knows our solution. And we can take great comfort in that. Okay, the last slide. I'm going to circle back around. We started uh, talking about David having a con a congregational conversation. And he said, hey, I've got these great building plans. And so he shared a facilities vision. But he also shared the fact that this guy named Nathan came into the picture and said, that's cool, David. Just chill out for a couple of years. Your son is going to do this. And so God changed his plans over David's great planning. And uh, that's, that's an important story, as we have mentioned but in the middle of that story that David is sharing with the assembly, there's one verse that just kind of stands out to me. And in the middle of that verse, there's a phrase I'm going to point out that is a call to personal obedience as well as corporate obedience. And it says, observe and seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, very similar to what Nehemiah did as well. And so for this morning, I'd like to close the meeting uh, and Dan has invited questions. We'll hang around up here if you want to have uh, discussions. That's great. We can do that. But uh, I'd like to close the service this morning with this benediction, and if you would stand with me, we're going to read this verse in Second Chronicles 28.8 that I think is important to know. This, this was in the middle of a facilities discussion, so I think it matches us well. We read, Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you ever. Amen. Have a great week. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Jordan's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.